EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Welcome to Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Savalera. We've had turkey, we've had all the uh, dressings and all the pies, and now we're into the shopping season. And here's a man that's on my Christmas shopping list, although he is getting a lump of coal. Kelly Grayson, KG, what's going on? Oh, I'm good, man. I, I was about to wonder whether I was on your naughty or not, your nice list. Apparently, I made the naughty list this year. Well, you're score. Also, you know, you're always on my list. So, I mean, I think it depends on what list that is. There's just, a bunch just of lists. as long as just as long as my kiss isn't on your list. Yeah, that's right. I think you could be. <laughs> I think you could be uh, secured in that feeling. Okay. <laughs> so Thanksgiving. Uh, did you work again? It seems that you work every Thanksgiving. I, I, yes, I was working Thanksgiving, but, uh, uh, Nancy cooked a nice Thanksgiving meal the day after and, and, uh, I worked on my man cave and podcast studio and, and ate a good dinner and it was good. I enjoyed it. Well, it's good that you're going to have a podcast studio so you can finally start sounding better at doing a show that, uh, Oh, yeah, you know, bite me. That's okay. Another pass, another pass. So there was a milestone this week, Kelly, and not only Thanksgiving, but uh, it seems that you're getting a little bit older as your uh, daughter is now into her teen years, sweet 16. Oh, man, don't don't make me think about that and get all depressed. Yes, uh, Katie Beth is 16 years old as of November the 23rd, so it, it feels good. Um, I, I can't believe, I don't know where the time went. Uh, just last week, she was a, a cute little toddler and and a cute little uh kindergartner and and now my daughter's a sophomore in high school i don't know how to feel about that man and i'm having a teacher to drive that's ugh. i don't know who's teaching you but you know it's <laughs> funny that you say that because i often think of you as a cute little toddler and a cute little kindergartner so i think that that's kind of uh, but yeah i mean 16 years old the boys are going to be coming to the house pretty soon huh mr grayson uh, is katie beth at home yeah, and I'll be cleaning my gun and, you know, the the usual stereotype. But uh, instead, I'll be able to point to the picture on the wall and say, hey, son, see those, see that picture with those two guys with their, their arms over, over my shoulders? Yeah, the one on the left is the chief coroner's investigator, and the one on the right is the chief sheriff's deputy, and, and uh, both of them are godparents, so um, make sure you behave yourself. And, oh, by the way, you know I'm a paramedic, right? I, That's right. I bring dead bodies to the hospital all the time. They pretty much accept whatever story I give them as to how they got that way. That's right. Uh, I used back to, at 930. That's right. I used to throw a shotgun shell at the boy and say, hey, after 10 o'clock, they come a lot faster. <laughs> there you go. That's but, um, you know, one of the things that's funny is that when I was 16 years old, or maybe I was younger than that, maybe I was 15, I was taking this girl out, and I really wanted to take her out, and she came from a real uh, Italian family, and 
and the granddad was from Italy. He was an old guy, man, and he he kind of gives me uh-huh. the head, gives me the head and the hand to come here, and he, he takes me into this back room, and there's a gun safe, and he takes this old gun out. I mean, it, it really has to be, you know, I don't know, man, going back to the early 1900s, you know, yeah, because I mean, this is back. Uh, I guess this is about 1980 for me, you know. And he uh-huh. looks at me and he says, uh, he goes, that is the gun I'm going to shoot you with if my granddaughter no longer virgin. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, thank you very much. Very nice. He let me hold it and everything. So, I mean, it was, I mean, he was being polite, I think. So that was pretty good. He made you an offer you couldn't refuse, apparently. Hey, you got to slip that one in, didn't you? Yeah. Now, the question is, is was, was his granddaughter a virgin when you brought her back you know so let's go ahead and talk about (laughs) you know as we think about our topic today kelly one of the things that you know i started to think about was how we get to where we've gotten to and you know you and we've talked about different things you know we've talked Mm -hmm. about um you know how to be a great instructor and how to be a great paramedic and and i really want to kind of focus today on you know the words of advice that we've gotten in our career. So when we think about, you know, how we've gotten to where we were, I want to, I want to kind of hit two points with you and I'll I'll tell you why we got there, how we got here, but I want to hit two points with you. One is what was the best advice you ever got in your quest to become the, uh, you know, the, whatever it is for world domination (laughs) and your legion of flying monkeys are going to, whatever they're going to do in the backyard. But then secondly, I want to know the best advice you gave. I mean, you do a lot of teaching, but let me tell you mm-hmm. why I'm, let me tell you why I'm on this, this kind of this All approach, right. because I'm working on this new class in the leadership aspect to talk about leadership quotes. And there are so many quotes that are out there, but one of my favorite leadership quotes come from the Dalai Lama that says, when you speak, you're only repeating what you already know, but when you listen, you may learn something new kind of thing. Yeah. And but I think that there's a lot of wisdom in these quotes from a lot of great leaders and a lot of public figures. And and that wisdom is out there. If we started to look at some of those leadership quotes and say, Mm -hmm. how does this affect me? What does this mean to me? Because, you know, there's a quote that we're going to you know, there's a leadership quote that we look at that you and I may read differently and get a little something different out of it. So I want people to start thinking about those leadership quotes and how they can utilize it in their personal and professional development. So it got me thinking about the advice that we get from people who are around us all the time. Sometimes we take it, sometimes we dismiss it, sometimes we get, uh, you know, a little defensive about it. I thought it would be cool to kind of talk about the best advice you ever received in your quest and then the best advice you've ever given, and how that's kind of changed. And I bet you that's going to be kind of similar to what you started with and what you're ending with. But I'm kind of curious if you have that, uh, what was the yeah. beginning advice that you got from somebody you respected or whoever it was, really? The, my first boss in EMS was a very, very kind man uh, and fairly even-tempered. He was not a very good businessman. Um, and despite the fact that he wasn't a very good businessman, he, he made to, he, he was able to make a go of his ambulance service for close to 15 years and, uh, and, and push out a much larger competitor who was not serving the area well. So, uh, he, he made his mark, but it, it could have lasted much longer had he, had he be, uh, you know, been better at managing the business aspects of it. But 
he told me in the very beginning, he said, the three P's, patients, partners, profits, and they come in that order. You see, you take care of your patients, you take care of your partner, and, and that's your job, and my job is to take care of the profits. And, and he told everyone that, you know, take care of your patients, take care of your partners, let me, wor- let me worry about how to make money at it. Um, and ultimately, I guess he wasn't successful. Uh, I, I still think he could have been had he, had he been a little bit better at, at managing his money. Um, but that was a great place uh, and a great philosophy to grow and learn under as a young EMT and paramedic. You know, I mean, he, he made it clear that, that um, what we did was for our patients and, and not necessarily to make money. He would figure out that part of it. Uh, and that we had to take care of our partners because they're, you know, they're the ones that are supposed to have our backs and, and, and they're our family while we're, we're on duty on that truck. So and, let, and me, let me just ask yeah. you, cut you off really quick. When he gave you the advice, I mean, what did you think about it? I mean, did you think that, oh, this guy's just crazy or, you know, hey, I'm going to put that in my back pocket because there's some value to it or, or did you accept it or, or how did that work out for you? Did you, or was there, uh, or was there an epiphany that said, oh my God, he was right. Well, the first um, <laughs> when, I, when when he first told me this, uh, I was I was working for free, so yeah, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at it a bit because this was a, a man who started an ambulance service. Uh, he was working for the competitor and and tired with the way tired of the way they were they were covering his home area, um, and the the city leaders were were pressing him said, you know, why don't you quit and just We'll support you if you start your own ambulance service. So he literally quit on a Friday and opened his own ambulance service on a Monday. Um, they bought two five thousand dollar ambulance used ambulances, uh, slapped a quick paint job on them, drove them from Arkansas back to Louisiana, and then stocked them up with with salvaged equipment their former employer had thrown out. And they'd managed to repair, um, and. Uh, and man, we were up and running on nine one one call rotation on Monday, and it showed not patient care, not patient care wise, but organization and and fiscal management wise. I mean, it took him a it took him a solid year to work out his Medicare billing where it was reliable uh, and wasn't getting kicked back all the time. So most of us uh, that started there, it was a labor of love. We were working for free. Uh, we we were it was the understanding was is it was a for profit private ambulance service and we were supposed to be getting paid um but we didn't until probably the first year in uh just little dribs and drabs and if somebody was going to shut off your lights or repossess your car he'd come up with enough money to hold the wolves at bay for a little while longer but it wasn't for at least a year till we started getting regular paychecks and then he caught us all up you know every every other paycheck or every third paycheck you'd get two you know and you, you finally you caught up but uh, he made that work. Uh, he couldn't have made it work without a bunch of very dedicated people that believed in, in what he was trying to do. Um, and since then, you know, uh, it, it's funny that, that after uh, I left that place and I went to work at other places where the uh, the order of those three P's was not necessarily the same, you know, uh, that, that last P came first and everything else uh, bowed to that. I came to appreciate him a lot more, but I've since modified that. And when I talk to to young EMTs, I said that the only th- the only important things uh, in our career are the three P's: patients, partners, and peers. 
I said, because no matter what you do, how much education you get, how much money you make, um, when you leave EMS, uh, you can either leave it uh, a broken shell of, of what you could have been, or you can leave it with with a, a full heart. Right. And uh, and the three things that are going to help that are the relationships you cultivate with your patients, your partners, and your peers. Yeah. I said, th- those are the only three things worth connecting with uh, in in EMS. Uh, uh, because they'll sustain you uh, in the rough times. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, that's kind of carried with you. And, and so that, that was advice you got earlier in your career that really mm-hmm. kind of worked for you and kind of helped you grow. I got my paramedic in the Air Force, you know, working in the Special Operations mm-hmm. Command. And, and you know, my job was to take care of my team. You know, it wasn't to take care of patients in the ED. And mm-hmm. when I left that job, they wound up sticking me in the hospital because uh, of all my medical training. And I was really mad and uh, I just wanted to get out. You know, I wanted to get out of the military because I thought mm-hmm. felt that I was in a job that I wouldn't uh, enjoy. And then there's a whole story as to how I came back around to uh, loving being a paramedic. But the advice mm-hmm. that I got was from an assaulty old um, sergeant, master sergeant, which is an E-7 in the Air Force, and he was an ex-Marine, as a matter of fact, and he was so proud. He had a Navy Good Conduct Medal that he wore that uh, he was very proud of, and he made sure that everybody knew it. But he, the advice that he gave to me, which I thought was really crazy, was, this is not your emergency. Never let your heart mm-hmm. rate get above the patient's. And, well, that kind of was crappy if somebody was in a second-degree heart block and it was 23. But <laughs> but the point that he was trying to make was that you have to be calm. You have to be able to be focused. And at the time, I didn't think that it was good advice. Don't let your heart rate get above the patient's. It's not your emergency. But the, the value in that was such – this is what I took from it. Stay focused. Do your job, know that you have the answers, and you know do the very best you can, and don't allow your emotions to dictate your actions. Now, all of those mm-hmm. components of what I took from that advice, and now we're going back to probably 1987, is something that I've carried with me today in my book, Ultimate Leadership, 10 Rules for Success. Rule number one is never allow your emotions to dictate your actions. Rule number three is there are no problems, there are just solutions. And yeah. and those two rules really come out of the fact of it's not your emergency. Never let your heart rate get above the patients. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny that that he said that. And and you were talking earlier about uh, how you can two people can read the same quote and and take different things from it. Um, the it's it's the patient's emergency, not yours, is is a pretty common refrain, uh, especially among experienced EMS providers. Um, and, and it, it, it is true that, that you have to remain, be the calm one in the, in the situation, but it's also pretty good, uh, psychological first aid. You know, uh, you, you have to remind yourself that, uh, uh, the patient had the emergency, not you, um, you get to go home, uh, and you can leave your job, uh, or you can leave those emotions and that uh, stress and adrenaline on the truck. Uh, rather than bring it home with you to poison your life at home. Uh, and, and I've been reminded of that fact before, 
uh, hey man, it's uh, relax, lighten up. It wasn't your more, uh, it wasn't your emergency. Uh, you just had to deal with it for a little bit. Thank you know, be thankful for uh, the fact that you're you're well and healthy. Um, and, and sometimes we lose perspective in that. You know, we we especially you know those guys who are good at empathizing, right? Um, often uh, often tend uh, tend to be a little too good at empathizing, and and uh, they let their patients' pain become their own. Right. So that's not inherently a bad thing, but it is a bad thing when it starts to affect you and stick with you long after the call is over. No, I agree. So yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and switch gears, and I'll go first this time to talk about the uh-huh. best advice that you've given to someone. And one of the things that, uh, I, you know, as a paramedic on the truck, and, and really I started to do this more when I started to get into the field training officer mm-hmm. positions, and people always wanted to know the secret. What's the secret of success? What's the secret of being a good paramedic? What's the secret of giving? Whatever it was that they would ask the secret. And I would say to them all the time that your job is to do the very best while you're here and go home safe at the end of your shift. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hung on that for a lot of years because it's true. I mean, we come in in the morning, we may be dejected, we may be uh, angry, we may be upset, you know, be depressed about a job we hate or be elated about the job that we have. And it all comes down to when you sit into into that little compartment of the cab just to do the very best that you can. You don't have to be a Chris Sabalero. You don't have to be a Kelly Grayson. You don't have to be those great names in EMS. But it starts with being great on that particular day. But the, the main focus of that is do the best that you can and then go home safe at the end of your shift. And that's that's excellent advice. I, uh, I thank you for including me among great names in EMS. But Well, you paid me. You know, I got the money yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad. I, I was, uh, don't hold that check uh, for until at least Friday, okay? Um, you know, but our patients don't know who we are. Um, and, and it doesn't matter to them. You know, when I, when I, I, I pick up patients, they don't care that I speak around the country and I've written a couple of books and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? What cares, what matters to them is how I am treating them and their family right. yeah. in that moment. And yeah. that is, you know, it's humbling. Uh, but it's also a, a great reminder of, of what's important. Uh, I uh, and and often the things they are most grateful for are the simplest things right. that don't require any special training and effort on my part. And you've talked uh, about that before, how you've that's gotten right. through with your you know with your empathy. But the the patients don't know that the Chris Sebolero or the Kelly Grayson is taking care of them. They don't care, and, right. and they shouldn't. It's it's Chris or Kelly, yeah. the person that came to them in their time of need and cares about what happens to them and is going to do their very best to make sure that uh, they're better uh, or at least don't get any worse uh, and, and try to make a bad day better. So, uh, and that's what's important to our patients. And I think you bring up a good point because one of the things I talk about is, especially when I do uh, coaching with folks for leadership development and you know personal, mm-hmm. personal growth kind of thing is it doesn't make a difference what you did yesterday. You know, whether it's, yeah. whether you wrote a book or whether you're teaching class or whether you're writing the next big art, yesterday is gone. Stop living on yeah. yesterday. Create today. Yeah. Set up tomorrow kind of thing. But what was the best, what's the best advice you give now? Well, I'd say the best advice I've given uh, at this stage of my career is, is uh, don't just do something, stand there. 
you know, we, we focus so much, uh, and, and in the way we recruit people, you know, save lives, drive fast, uh, um, people will love and adore you, <laughs> that sort of thing to, to get them into EMS. We foster these, these, uh, unrealistic expectations, but even people that are starting out in EMS still tend to believe the Hollywood depiction of EMS and it's all life and death and, and urgency, um, and that it's much more fast paced than it actually is. And I tell people, don't just do something, stand there. What is important is taking it in. Uh, rarely, if ever, are you going to run a call where 10 seconds or 15 seconds to take everything in and to survey that scene are going to matter. Um, you should never move faster than your brain works. And all too often you see people that get in a hurry and they get tunnel vision, they make mistakes, uh, um, because they're moving faster than their brain will work. They're, they're reacting uh, rather than being proactive. And, and uh, they've let the situation, as I've said in the past, they've let the, the gravity of the situation get inside their OODA loop. And it's now it's dominating their decision-making processes to the other way around. Um, and that's probably the best, uh, the best advice I've given. I, I gave that to a, a good friend and, and paramedic, uh, who was a uh, was a former partner of mine who was beating himself up about freezing on a call. He said, "Man, I, I just froze and I couldn't do anything." And and this little kid was, you know, I it was <clears throat> it was a little baby that was in traumatic arrest, and I I, just, I didn't know what to do. And I said, "Oh yeah, you did." And he said, "No, no, man, I froze." And I said, "No, you didn't. How long? What did you do for the baby?" And he described all the care that he rendered, which was perfectly correct. And I said. Uh-huh. And, but, but, but for about 10 seconds there, I, I just couldn't do anything. I, I couldn't figure out what to do. And I said, yeah. And <laughs> how does that make you different from any other human being? You know, I wouldn't want the guy working on me that never, that, that the gravity of the situation and, and the horror of what he's dealt with never registered on him until well after the fact, you know, that means that, that you don't have, <laughs> you you don't have any, any, uh, empathy left in you. I said, but it didn't affect your care. I mean, you, you, you locked up for about 10 seconds and then you got into gear and, and went into life-saving mode and, and you did what you were supposed to do. I said, you know, there, there's never a call where, where that 10 seconds is going to make a huge difference for the patient. So don't just do something, stand there, take it all in, take a breath, decide what you're going to do, and then, then act on that decision-making process. And that works for just about everybody I've, I've, I've talked about. People get too excited and they lose sight of the fact that the more or the better we do our jobs, the less exciting our job is. Some people can't take that if they're in, in into EMS for adrenaline's sake, but it's true. The better we do our jobs, the less exciting they are. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to know what you think. What's some of the best advice you've ever gotten? and some of the best advice you've ever given to an EMS colleague or peer. Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Cevallero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.